Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. When Charlton's Coffee House was completed at the end of 2009, it became the newest reconstructed building on Colonial Williamsburg's Duke of Gloucester Street in 50 years. It was the job of researchers and curators like my guest Kim Ivey to recreate the interior of that building. Kim, thanks for rejoining us on the program. Thanks for having me, Harmony. First, let me say that this was truly a team effort by many of the foundation staff. Not only was I working with um, curators and conservators, but I was working with historians, architectural um, researchers, archaeologists, and so just a number of people pulled together to bring this project to its completion. The curators worked from a number of sources to help us determine the types of furnishings that would be used at the coffee house. Well, of course, we looked at secondary sources, the books that had been published on American and British coffee houses. Primarily, though, we looked at period prints and paintings, some in our collections, but also um, prints and paintings in collections throughout North America and in England. And those prints and paintings showed us a number of things. They showed lots of hats on the walls, just, just stuck right on the walls. Um, they showed us that the shelves at the bars were filled with a variety of drinking vessels, and they showed us that there were indeed bars located within these coffee houses, indicating that not only coffee was being consumed there. So those prints and paintings were reinforcing some of the ideas that we already knew about a coffee house. They, these prints and paintings also reinforced what our architects and archaeologists were finding at our coffee house site. And clearly we relied a great deal on the architectural and archaeology to help us with the furnishings. So if I walk into the coffee house today, what am I going to see? What's the first room I'm going to see and what's going to be in it? And what is that going to tell me about the room? The first room that our visitor walks into is the dining room. It is the best room of the house. We know that from the architectural evidence that was found. Now today, our um, architectural historians have very carefully pieced back together a number of those architectural elements. And from their research, we know which rooms were the, were the best rooms of our coffee house. We know that the dining room, for example, had the best architectural features. Because it had the best architectural features, we have then installed the best furnishings in that space. Now, there was no inventory of the coffee house during Richard Charlton's 1765 occupation of that space. But we do have a 1779 inventory taken of Richard Charlton's possessions when he was still in town working as a tavern keeper. And using that inventory, we've been able to um, pull certain objects from that inventory to install in our coffee house. The architectural evidence indicated that wallpaper was in that space. Now, the wallpaper had long ago disappeared, but the paste used to glue the wallpaper to the wall was found on certain architectural elements identified as coming from the dining room. Thus, we feel fairly confident that wallpaper was in that space. And today, when you enter the room, you'll see a small-scale floral-patterned wallpaper based on a circa 1765 document that was found in a Maryland storehouse 
the original color of the wallpaper was a bright turquoise. We've gone a little more subtle. We're using um, browns and golds and yellows. It's just a lovely wallpaper. And it's, um, the color is en suite with the carpeting that you'll find on the floor. Now we have no true evidence from the archaeology or architecture that carpeting was in that space. But we looked at the 1779 inventory of Richard Charlton, and in that inventory we see he owned carpet rods. Rods were used to hold carpets in place on staircases. This suggests that he might also have owned a larger carpet at some time. And looking at prints and inventories and other documents, we find that carpeting was used in upper scale taverns and in coffee houses. We made the decision to install wall-to-wall -wall carpeting in the coffee house. The carpeting is based on a design that was published in Britain in the late 1750s. It is an interlocking design done in browns and golds, and the carpeting was actually woven in narrow 27-inch widths that taken off the loom and then seamed together to make your room-sized carpet. A decorative border was applied around the edges of it. It's very typical of the type of carpeting that was used from about 1765 well into the early 19th century, used in America as well as in Britain. You go into the dining room, it's the most opulently furnished room. Why is that? Who's going to be using that dining room? More than likely it was used as a private dining space. We know that the governor of Virginia um, came to the coffee house. We have documentation for Governor Fauquier being there. And so it's likely that the governor or other wealthy businessmen, merchants, um, burgesses would have rented that space out for dining or for just an evening out. The room also could have been used as an overflow from the more public space, the coffee room. Let's talk about that coffee room. This is where probably the everyday man off the streets would stop in. The coffee room was the more public space. It was where people gathered to exchange news, to conduct business, to have a cup of coffee, or as we know from the print sources and also from our archaeological evidence, to have maybe a glass of wine or a bowl of punch. When you walk into the coffee room, the first thing that our visitors notice, well, there are probably two things that our visitors notice. The bar, where a barmaid would have been stationed, dispersing the coffee, the chocolate, as well as the wines, the, the punches. But also our visitors will notice the fireplace, which is outfitted um, with a number of copper, chocolate, and coffee pots, as well as a very large grate holding um, the firewood, a grill where coffee pots and chocolate pots could have been sat to keep warm, and then a large copper cistern or pot that would have held the boiling water used in the process of making coffee and chocolate. All of those objects, all of those objects being the cistern, the chocolate pots, the coffee pots, are based either on actual objects from the 18th century or from prints and paintings of the period. So this fireplace is really the functioning heart of the coffee house. This right. is where you have a whole collection of coffee pots and chocolate pots across the mantle. You have your boiling water hanging over the fire. Mm -hmm. We hope that a visitor walking into a space will immediately recognize the function of that room. And if that happens, we know that we as curators have been successful in our job 
of furnishing those spaces to reflect the the many activities that took place there. So we've walked through two rooms. We've been in the dining room and now the coffee room. You mentioned a third room, a multi-purpose room. How is that furnished and what happened there? That's the room that we call the back room, obviously because it is in the back of the house. It was a multifunction room. There's a desk located in the room, outfitted with the many diverse business interests of Richard Charlton. We've outfitted a closet in that space, a number of objects to reflect all the different types of activities that would have taken place in the building. From that back room, Richard Charlton had access to both the upstairs and the downstairs because of two staircases. And so we feel that that was his office. That was his place where he could conduct business, he could oversee the entire operation of the coffee house. He might have even um, rented the space out if he needed to for private lectures, or it could have been used as an overflow from either the dining room or the coffee room. It seems like this building is like a kind of a museum unto itself with artifacts and objects which tell a story about the period. You could probably say that about all of our exhibition buildings. This one, though, is different because most of our exhibition buildings are static. You don't walk in and see a roaring fire. You don't see the coffee boy serving coffee. You don't see the person from the kitchen roasting coffee beans at the fire. You do at our coffee house. And so this space is different because of those reasons. It's more alive. It's, it's active. And it is the only site on Duke of Gloucester Street where you can experience not only reproduction objects of the 18th century, but also the sights, those sights, the sounds, and the smells of the 18th century. Kim, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.